Welcome to Engineer to be Excellent, the podcast for engineers and managers of small to medium-sized businesses who are ready to scale their PCB testing through automation. Today, I'm joined by my guest, Dillian Reyes, to talk about how he designs print circuit boards to be testable. Dillian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Paul. It's great to be here. Awesome. For people who are meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so um, I have been working for one of the major analog IC companies for over 20 years. Um, started off as an intern and became full-time working as an applications engineer. And I've worked my way up to become a senior applications engineer and a staff and even a manager. That's my current position. And uh, throughout the whole time, I worked on several demo boards uh, to promote our ICs and uh, work on the board from schematic capture to PCB layout and then to release of the boards, which included running the test procedure and uh, having test, handing the boards off to be tested by a, a, a test engineer. So um, yeah, through, throughout my 20-something years, I think I've worked on maybe over 40, 50 uh, demo boards. So good handful of boards but uh, I enjoy it it's uh, it's a really great area to be in I like working on on printed circuit boards and ICs and just uh, uh, building something I think customer is you know going to see our the, the product and get a good feel for how it's working by the evaluation so uh, you know just as an application engineer I get to see quite a bit of that work with design engineers for ICs and also work with customers and show them our demo boards and show them how to use our products Wow, that's quite a quite a vast array of knowledge. A little it sounds like you got some depth and some breadth as well. That's very interesting. I can, yeah. only, I can only imagine things you may have seen along the way as you kind of uh, as with everything new comes new challenges and new maybe new ways to look at things. And that sounds like a very interesting career. Yeah, it's been it's been great, um, and I've been doing it for so long and. Uh, for throughout the years, it just becomes more and more challenging just as you learn more things. Um, the, the products become more complicated. The, 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 the whole system becomes more complicated. So you're adding more pieces to the, to the whole system, to the, to the board I'm working on, for example. Um, and uh, just I'm always learning, even to this day. So it's been fun. Wow. So like that's something you and I both have in common. It's like, kind of like a, just the love to learn, learn new things, grow that type of thing. That's great. Yeah. I, I, you and I have worked quite a bit um, and uh, we've crossed paths many times and uh, it's, you know, I think we have a lot of commonality and it's, it's been, it's been great chatting up with you in the past and also just uh, reconnecting and, and uh, just kind of sharing ideas. That's great. That's great. Um, you see, you mentioned uh, some challenges. Are there any things that kind of come to mind that have, that kind of uh, maybe have stumped or, made you look at things a little different? Yeah, so when I'm starting a board, uh, starting a design, um, I'm testing one board, right? And I'm testing design. I can tweak things accordingly, uh, change out resistors, change out components, evaluate the individual components. And uh, so I have a lot of control of the one particular board. Um, and I know what to look for for all the, the signals. And I'm familiar with the, the IC. I know what's supposed to be, what's supposed to, what's supposed to happen. If it doesn't meet what I'm expecting, then I can make changes. Um, but when I start to put that um, design into a board that's going to be mass-produced for for a release evaluation board, 
which go to tens or hundreds of customers, um, I start sc- we you know, the boards being scaled up and for for um, mass production. Now I'm not going to build thousands of these boards, but I'm still building a few, like a couple hundred. And um, for that, I am not the person that would be testing all the boards. So I have to make the board simple enough uh, with a, with a, a test procedure that's very easy to understand and easy to access uh, wherever we want to look at signals, do the testing. So um, in addition to designing the circuit, I also have to think, how is someone going to use this? How is it going to be easy for someone to use? So I think about the layout of the board, um, make it look um, really nice and compact. You want, you want to show the solutions small as well. But I also have to think about how someone's going to test this, You know how they're going to hook up to, to the board. Uh, so I make sure I bring out my, my signals throughout the perimeter of the board, which is really important. I've seen many boards that have test points where the test points are right in the heart of where the, the circuit is and it's kind of hard to access. Right? So, so bringing out the, the signals really helps a lot. Um, and then step-by-step process of how to test the board. How would someone who's never looked at this board be able to read the documentation, have a good understanding of what the process is for powering up the board, um, connecting to the right signals and looking for the right the right signals. So the biggest hurdle I think is thinking outside the box of um, the circuitry, not getting out of your tunnel vision because you're so used to the what uh, what you're expecting, and try to think of someone who's kind of a clean slate and that's going to be touching this board for the first time, how they're going to how they're going to look at the board um, and and how they're going to to go through and, and evaluate the board properly, um, and also maybe not damage the board, right? Because <laughs> the wrong connection can, can cause some some failures. So you gotta put together a test procedure as well that's really clear, um, instruct with what um, what equipment needs to be connected, where it needs to be connected, what voltage levels you need to be, because in some of the boards, actually most of the boards I worked on, they're you know, boards of 50 volts or above, so you need to make sure you have capabilities of 100 volts, your, your boards or your equipment can, can handle high voltage. Um, so thinking all that, trying to think of what could happen and be predictive. Wow, it's a, a, a you you struck so many different uh, chords <laughs> with me. I've, I've seen this. Oh my god, um, having it's it's interesting because I think people just in general, um, beyond even engineering or anything, is a lot of times when anybody comes up with something unique. They, they have in their mind, it's so clear, but if you're not that person who designed it, it's very, or if you're that person who designed it, it's so easy to make assumptions or you leave out the assumptions that are necessary for somebody who hasn't seen it before. And that, that's, that is very, very smart. I, I've, I've seen many cases it doesn't work out that way. And, and I wish that more people would think from the point of view of a person testing it or, or, or from that fact for the user as well, because they're not the designer, they're, they're a person looking at it from a different set of skills and a different, um, yeah, I guess just a different set of skills. And so that's, oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. In regard to the test procedure or actually any kind of communication, um, I've found that some, sometimes, what do you say, the, um, the way you say something is clear in your head because you're saying it, but not to the person who may hear it. Sometimes it's just a matter of using not, 
it's a sometimes it's just like not using a pronoun like you or we or us. Or there, it's very non-specific, but instead using the actual noun that it represents, because um, language has a big effect on the clarity of of any kind of communication, including test procedures. And that's that's really uh, great that you uh, you take that into account. Yeah, you bring up a really good point, Paul. Um, when I put together my test procedure, again, I'm, I kind of have tunnel vision. I, I know what the board looks like. I know what to expect, and I'm writing my, my test procedure with my own personal mindset. Um, so um, when I finish my test procedure, I actually hand it off to one of my techs to review. Um, he will also be a blank slate, so it's great for him to look at it. And he'll go through before I submit the test procedure to the actual test engineer and just make sure that everything makes sense. Like there may be a step that I kind of overlook because I already made the assumption that something's connected. Um, and he catches those things and he writes, um, makes comments on my test procedure. And this is just a really good process to have a second set of eyes looking over your test procedure um, and making the corrections and kind of just um, correcting my assumptions, you know, just making sure I didn't miss anything. Can you tell us uh, some of the best practices you have about making a board testable? Yeah, I, I mean, there's different methods of testing a board. And um, I think for an evaluation board, for example, um, there's a lot of hand testing involved where you're actually connecting meters and probes um, to the board. For that kind of testing, you really want good test points, um, test points that you can clip onto. Um, so like turrets, uh, surface mount hooks, um, and, and, uh, and, and you want to make sure you have a lot of ground pins. That's one of the things I've learned early on is you have multiple device, multiple test devices connected. Each one needs a ground. And sometimes if you only have one ground test point, you're just hanging a lot of clips on one small test point. Um, so that's, uh, that's the technique for testing manually. Um, but I've also seen a lot of automation testing through the, through the years. There, you bring all your connections to maybe a, a, a header where you have a ribbon cable going to, out to a PC or some kind of test device. Um, and there is, I guess you could call it a form of automation, right? You have a test procedure, um, test process done, um, test program done on a computer. Um, it connects to all the signals. The computer connects to all the signals you want to test out on the PCB, takes some measurements uh, with this program. Um, so that's another... Uh, type of pro testing that I've done before as well, uh, so both manual and, and automated testing. Wow, that's interesting. Um, I know for um, I've I've been experienced I've I've been involved with um, boards that were set up for manual testing before, and then they've switched to automation. And although it's a, it's it's a good amount of work up front to get to that point, once you're set up, you're taking uh, you're just the time you're taking. Well, there's the time, which is taking. Um, you know, something that might take you five minutes to test a board or 10 minutes, you could take down to 30 seconds because you've got computers are activating the, the test equipment, reading things, and it's just, you know, programming EPROMs or whatever it is. And it's fast. It's, and, and the one nice thing about that also is uh, people, we get, we make mistakes, believe it or not. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> and when, when a person's testing something, they're testing 100 or 200 boards, you know, over the period of a day, they get exhausted. They get tired. They make mistakes. They they, they uh, make measurements and they might transpose some numbers or make it a negative or all these things that just the fatigue that comes in mind. Um, so I think another a big advantage of um, having a um, an automated test, if you know, if the volume and the and the value of it, you know, makes sense, 
because not everything should be automated. I think that would be a mixed mistake, but there are some things that would certainly benefit from it. And those types of things, they take out the human error. And it's, yeah. Certainly. Um, you bring up a couple of good points, and uh, I'll go over two things. So as regarding the, the manual testing, um, and when I put together a test procedure, um, I also have to think about like what you just mentioned. Uh, one person is sitting there and testing hundreds of boards. Over time, they may may uh, get a little bit jaded or they actually make um, connections uh, when moving your test equipment from one board to another, make a mistake, um, connect to the wrong device, connect to the wrong signal. Um, so I also th try to factor that in when I'm t putting together my test procedure, how to minimize any moving moving of test equipment, um, having enough meters where you don't have to um, move your, your meter to another spot to do the second test, maybe just have one connection, uh, one setup in the beginning when you, before you start your test, and that way you're not moving things around. So I try to be mindful of that as well. Um, but as for the automated testing, yes, um, it helps save a lot of time with the tester and, and help prevent a lot of uh, human error that you, like, that you described. Uh, but there is a lot of um, engineering work that goes on before in order to do, create a really good automated test setup. And uh, the development time for an automated test setup can, can uh, the benefits may not outweigh the time savings, right? So I also have to factor that in. If I'm, if I only plan to build a couple hundred boards uh, and I can put together a test procedure, maybe it takes one or two minutes per board to be tested, um, mm -hmm. it may not be so, so much of um, worth my time to put the effort into making an automated test procedure, um, writing software for it, and, um, and testing that out for only a few hundred boards. But if I were to scale up, and this doesn't happen very often with my evaluation boards, but I could see if a customer or um, a, um, a system manufacturer who's building a couple thousands of a device, that's where an automated tester is definitely going to come into play. You wanna make sure every single board is working perfectly according to the, your specs, and uh, you wanna output the, the device as fast as possible. So. In that case, that's where I think an automated tester is actually worth the time to put together. Mm. Yes, I, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, can you do you have any particular examples of um, boards you've automated or? Um, well, I'll, I'll give an example of some of the boards that we work on. It's not necessarily um, an evaluation board. It's it was a validation board that we um, that we use for an IC that can have. Um, that is uh, flash programmable. So we can, our, our digital team will put together a firmware um, for the device, maybe customized for a customer or for a released uh, version. But every time we make a, a tweak, we wanna make sure that everything, uh, nothing was um, broken when, when a change was made in the firmware. So in that case, we have a test setup where we connect to uh, the board and, and all the signals from the IC go to the, that connector. We go to a, a test rig that we also built up in our, in our office, a uh, custom device that can vary the loads, take voltage measurements, um, vary the timings for different, uh, different testing. Like if we apply a voltage, it needs to be held for a certain amount of time. So we can do a lot of that customization. Um, and the number of tests that we do is, um, is quite, um, quite uh, extravagant. We, we, it's something that one person wouldn't be able to do in a day. 
Um, so being able to automate it helps speed that up, run the number of tests. You don't have the human moving the, the signals around um, and the, the connections to all the meters and so forth. So um, so that allows us to, for like the digital team to try something, see if everything works. And then if there are any errors, then they can go back and fix it and then run the test again and uh, be able to, to quickly uh, validate that the, the change to the firmware has been, has been uh, correct. Oh, wow, that sounds, that sounds great. I can only imagine having to um, uh, have to update the firmware and then and then not validate it, that would be very dangerous. <laughs> There's so many things that could go wrong, but when you can verify it with, with an actual test that verify it does it, um, it's, it's important. Yeah, um, a lot of times when you make small change, they go, it's just a small change, right? It's not gonna affect the rest of the things, the, the system. But sure enough, sometimes something gets broken and uh, by having an, uh, a, a test setup that just runs through all these various conditions, um, it, it just either catches something or gives you that, that affirmation that, okay, the change that I made is, is fine. Mm, yes, I see. Um, oh, that, that brings me to another a thought. That makes me think of another thought in that um, is when you are manually testing something that um, it, you're kind of limited to how much you can test because if a person, if you're going to make a test that, that takes you know 30 minutes for one board uh, because it's it just involves a lot of moving test equipment around, it involves programming this, moving jumpers and things like this, you're kind of limited by, in practical sense, what you can actually test. But when you switch to an automated test, um, I mean, you can you can go through you know thousands of test conditions if you wanted to, if you didn't want to change. I mean, you could change the firmware, you could test it, you could um, you could um, make measurements on you know thirty different places instead of two because you know that would be very time consuming. But when you could when you have um, a program running it, it can be very fast and very efficient and, and error prone really. Um, so that, I could see that. Yeah, you bring up some good points there. Um, there are certainly some tests that humans can't do. Right? Um, like if a signal is really fast, if something that happens in the microseconds or milliseconds, um, human eye wouldn't be able to see that on a scope or with a mm -hmm. multimeter. Um, maybe you can set the scope to, to trigger on a certain signal and then you can have the tester zoom in and look at the signal and make sure that it meets certain timings. But that's a lot of uh, manual steps, right? Um, whereas an automated tester would be able to detect something with a very fast timing and um, you can do several of them. So um, yeah, the, the timing also is another key thing about having an automated test. Mm, yeah, uh, actually I can think of an example of when I was uh, working on that, I forget what the board was, but it was a, it was a board that had, it had, um, it had some digital timing and it had, um, and you had to zoom out like a, by a factor of 10 to see the, the whole block but you had to also zoom in to various aspects of it and kind of move around it and examine it more closely, like looking at it under a microscope type of thing. And in order to even manipulate the oscilloscope to, to change the, the time base or to zoom in or go flip between AC and DC coupling or just things like that, um, that would be that's very time consuming, not to mention it very frustrating for a person to have to flip that all the time for over and over again and things. And, and like I said, the oscilloscope these to be programmed to uh, to do all those things you can do by uh, manipulating the knobs of the equipment and um, and then also 
um, there there's so there's so much intelligence in for that example for the oscilloscope that you um, you can have the analysis done by the oscilloscope. They could tell you the pulse width. They could tell you the the rise time. They could show, tell you the percent overshoot. They could tell you all sorts of things, and you don't have to even do it. You just it just you just read it like you're like you're reading it. You know, like for multimeters, it's very very fast and it's very uh, very efficient. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I I just thought of something. Also, if a if a user is manually looking for a certain waveform, something actually something's wrong with the board. Uh, if a tester is just looking for the first time, how do they know that that's a wrong signal or if it's a correct signal, right? Um, and so I think with an automated tester, you'd be able to uh, set certain parameters and, and say if you're not within this parameter, then, then something's wrong with the, the, the signal. So um, I think if, if a human was doing the same th measurement and they see something that doesn't really quite match what was instructed, then that would take some maybe questioning with the engineering to, to make sure that what they're seeing is incorrect. So I think that's one benefit also just uh, by having a automated tester and being able to do certain parameters and make sure everything meets within these parameters. That's, uh, uh, I think that's also key, avoiding a lot of um, communication back and forth between two people, the engineer and the tester. That's very, very interesting. It's, it's, oh my goodness, it's, it's, it's so interesting talking to you. Cause, uh, <laughs> maybe because I'm also interested in this, this type of topic, and, and hopefully our, um, our, our audience will be um, just as thrilled as, as I am, because um, this is really good stuff. Um, would you say that, like, when you're creating a test, manual or automated, that, um, that some types of tests you have to think a lot more about and some are pretty much just you know measure this voltage is there a varying amount of complexity between the different types of tests or the different types of boards yeah certainly um say dc signals pretty straightforward right uh, make sure you wait for things to settle out and then take your measurement uh but for um uh, perhaps measurements where um, it's through a sequence of events. Uh, as one signal comes up, you have to wait for uh, one signal can cause a reaction from another signal. So um, that can be a little more complicated because you may have timings as well. Um, uh, let's see. When you look at really small signals, uh, that can be really difficult. You got to make sure you have a really clean uh, test setup. Uh, make sure you're not introducing noise uh, and make sure what, if there is noise that it is purely from the circuit and not from introduced noise. Um, mm -hmm. High voltage, that can be also challenging. Be challenging. Um, you have to make sure that um, whatever is being connected is going to be handling the, is capable of surviving the, uh, the high voltage signals. Um, what else? There's, there's a, a ton of different things you need to think about. Um, uh, so I think those are the first few off the top of my head, but I, I'm sure I could come up with ten, tens or hundreds more of uh, different scenarios. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes the, if all the it'd be great if all the signals would be very simple to measure and very uh, clear and very um, predictable. So, so sometimes um, things change. Like I've seen cases where if a part has multiple power pins, the sequence at which you power up. Can make a difference and that's a nice thing you, you could also test um if if you had 
well, this would be a case of a programmable part of it where you can power up one power supply, you know, wait for it to reach the value it's supposed to, and then you power up the other one. So I've seen ones where flipping the order can make it, it fail, and that's something that that isn't very obvious when, like, for, for example, if you're flipping on a dual power supply, they both kind of come up at the same time, but do they? <laughs> you know, sometimes it can make a difference in the order. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, that would seem, I guess that'd be an example of a, of a complex one where you're worrying about, you know, milliseconds of difference in the power up sequence. Yeah, power sequencing is key. I mean, there are devices out there that are made just for that purpose of actually sequencing powering up multiple power supplies. Um, and yeah, if for some circuits, having the wrong sequence can cause some errors. It could, you can have some uh, uh, devices come up too fast before another um, another circuit comes up and get into an odd state. Um, and uh, one could be powered up, and if another device is not powered up, there could be some damage that could occur. So yeah, sequencing is, is, is also really key. Yeah. yeah. Actually... Come to think of it, just it was just last week I um, I was helping um, um, a tester test a board. I forget which one it was, but it was basically that. It was because they had four lines that were just one after the other sequence go from zero to some voltage, four of them in a row in a sequence, and then you had to, and then on the other side when you turned it off, it would power it down in the opposite sequence. And huh, it's kind of funny. I just just think about that just the other day, just uh, last week. Yeah, <laughs> I just saw a presentation on this as well um, last week. I was. Uh, I was in the area and uh, attending a, a training conference, and one of the presenters presented on, on a sequencer. And uh, same thing, sequencing powering up, and also just important to sequence powering down. Mm, that's cool. So it's neat how, how many things you, you come across and how many uh, different types of things. Even if they're similar, they can be very different in their own unique way. And um, just the breadth and the depth is, is, is awesome because... I can't imagine working on one thing over and over again. I can't imagine working on a thousand things once. <laughs> but having that mix of of uh, different uh, different types of things, but with some consistency, but enough to keep it interesting. That sounds that sounds fascinating to me. Yeah, I I've been working on uh, on boards for for so long, uh, but I, I, sitting down with you and just you know breaking things down and and, and reflecting what my experience was actually really fascinating like oh yeah there are all these little things i just i guess i i see every day that's kind of common to me but as i as we break it down i realize yeah there are actually a lot of little details that um that you have to be you have to pay attention to mm -hmm. and just become really familiar and have to know what what to look out for wow that's that's true <laughs> uh, well i think we're kind of i think we're kind of made that way i think it's the, the idea to if we had to pay attention to everything at once our minds would explode yeah. So we, we're, 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 it's like, think about driving down the street. When you drive down the street, are you noticing the cars you're passing? You're not, but you're not hitting them. You, you tune them out. And sometimes that can be, um, not so helpful when to be more focused on things is, um, uh, maybe that you're not normally aware of can be very helpful as well. Yeah. Part of that maybe muscle memory. Um, but, um, to get to that muscle memory, you have to, practice of course or you know learn as you go and uh perhaps with you and i paul we've very you know we've been in our industry for a while and maybe some of that has become muscle memory but yeah. looking back when we first started i'm sure like all this was really new it was a steep learning curve and uh, you know it was exciting to learn but it was also intimidating but uh 
I guess yeah. through the years, just kind of uh, know what to look for. As you have come across different projects you've worked, I guess products you've worked upon, um, have you come across any that you found like ways of I guess designing and that have kind of been like game changers? Some things you've you've like, oh my god, that's that's an amazing thing. I want to apply that for the next three projects I have on. Any kind of standout, game changing kind of thoughts? Um, trying to think of all the various boards I've worked on. I mean, it's, it's always been a learning process and, uh, I think whatever I learn on one board, um, I, I guess I try to think of how I can make it a little bit more efficient for the next time around, but at the same time, the, the, the next project may be more complicated. So even though I've simplified, um, repeating certain tests, uh, we've got to add on the new test for the, the next added feature. Um, I guess, um, the, the latest boards that I've, I've had tested, it's actually part of a kit and, um, challenge of this was testing the individual boards and then, uh, testing all the boards together as a kit. And, uh, I think there were some tests that were repetitive, um, and I think if I were to go back and redesign this kit, um, try to integrate things a little bit more, bring things on the board so you wouldn't have to test it on another board. Um, and uh, I think that's just it, though. As I mentioned earlier, every time I come up with a, a new board f for design and test, um, there's always something new to learn. And so this this kit was something that was probably the most challenging um, setup I've had for an evaluation, evaluation board. Um, and so I learned as I, as I, as I went with this, um, and, um, it's really trying to simplify it. Um, I, I guess I can't really pinpoint one specific idea about it. It's just more of just what can I do to make this better? How can I bring everything in? How can I make it easier for the tester to make sure that they test, um, efficiently and, um, mm -hmm. well, so uh, I think what I'm, I'm kind of sensing is that um, as you do things and you get feedback on things, you can kind of kind of take that back to the next project. So you kind of each time you kind of improve um, iteratively over um, over time. Yeah, it, it's always a learning process. Um, I think that's what's exciting about our jobs. That's it's never really stagnant, right? Um, so there's more complicated circuits added to to a board and. Uh, there's one way of testing it, but as you start to repeat the test over and over, you can see where the inefficiencies are, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, hopefully you, you can learn from that and then carry that over towards uh, the next design. So it sounds like um, what you're saying is that as you go through your career, you learn along the way and you improve and each time you get more efficient and you learn more and you grow. And, and it's kind of exciting because um, it's not just doing the same thing over and over again. You get a chance to kind of flex your, your gray matter a bit. Yeah, exactly. You, you learn as you go. And uh, it's, you know, no matter how experienced you are, I think there's always more things to learn. So it's, uh, it's, cool. it's, it's interesting. Maybe here are some of your take on where you see things you're going with automated testing being kind of uh, from your point of view. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Um, automated testing, I, I think it has a, has a huge potential uh, but w one thing I was, I was as I've been kind of 
researching this um, this is that it seems like it it depends on what stage a company is in as how much they will add automation because if you're in the very beginning stages where you're 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 prototyping things and making ten things, it probably doesn't make too much sense to kind of uh, automate that experience even because you're just there's it, there's no a good return on investment on that. Um, but then as you grow and you start to um, have a kind of a, a process done um, where you kind of have maybe few boards that you test a lot of, then that kind of makes sense to really start to automate. But then maybe as you, as you, I'm, I'm not really sure about um, large companies, maybe one of, uh, if somebody wants to uh, chime in or something, just if you guys want to respond to this at um, paulphillips at phillipsengineer.com. That would be great. Uh, I'd like to hear your take on it also. Um, so in the beginning, uh, maybe not so much of a need, but as you grow and begin to scale, you really reap the benefits of the efficiency you gain. That's kind of where, where, I'm, uh, where I'm looking at. So Paul, in your, in your experience, uh, are you seeing a, a trend going towards more automation? Uh, you still see a handful of uh, people doing manual testing, what's your, what's your take on where things are going? I think it varies a lot, uh, depending on the, uh, depending upon the, um, the company and where they're at. And sometimes people embrace and sometimes people, uh, not so much. So I, I don't, I, I don't know if I have a trend that I can, um, reflect upon. Um, I guess just more time to grow, more time to learn new things and to do more research in the field, I guess. Oh, this has been so interesting, and I've learned a lot about you and designing for tests. Um, I'm sure I can apply this to my own projects and others as well. There's just so much you can learn when you have so many years of experience. Great. Sure can. All right. So in order to find out more about you, I guess uh, you can reach out to me, uh, Paul Phillips at phillipsengineer.com, and I can um, forward it to Dillian, and, um, and then we can go from there. Yeah, great. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. It's nice just uh, chatting up with you, Paul, and uh, catching up with you. And just kind of reflecting on our years of experience and what we've learned over the years, mm. um, and just uh, it's it's uh, it's a little heartwarming because <laughs> we're working on it for so long that you just kind of forget to just uh, look back and see why you enjoy these things. Uh, you know, just all the challenges and and, and mm. changes that come up. No matter what it is, it's always a new project. There's always something new. There's always something new to learn, and uh, it's it's uh, it's just great. Kind of continue this continuing to learn and grow and uh, working with great people. So, um, yeah, it's nice. It's, this is a, has been a really great conversation. Oh, I'm really glad you enjoyed it. I, I, me too. It's, 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 it's kind of like, I think our, our interests are very similar, but they're, 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 they're different, but they're similar. And just to, and, um, I get chills sometimes talking about engineering. So <laughs> this has been great. This has been really fun. Yeah. Well, perfect. Uh, thanks for joining me today. Um, all right, friends, that's it for today. I'm Paul Phillips, and I hope you join me again next time for Engineer to be Excellent. Goodbye.